0: Hi, this is Alana Terry. Welcome to Season 5 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you some full and complete and unabridged Christian fiction audiobooks to keep you encouraged and inspired. This season's audiobook is called What Dreams May Come and is narrated by Pamela Lawrence, Written by me, Alana Terry, and sponsored by our COVID 19 fundraiser. So, what we're doing is taking some of my ebook novels and I've bundled them up as a pay-what-you-can product with a portion of all royalties going to support local relief efforts for COVID-19. If you want to be involved in this fundraiser, it's going to be for a limited time. You can check it out at alanaterry.com slash novels. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter Six
1: Sometimes, Scott wondered if pastors who'd worked as long as Carl got tired of December. Was it hard to preach four or five Christmas sermons a year and find something new to point out each time? Or, after several decades behind the pulpit, did you just stop trying to be original? Today's sermon was fairly standard. Scott spent more time studying the Advent arrangement than watching Carl. This week's candle stood for joy, which for some reason kept reminding Scott of the way he'd laughed when Susanna told him her middle name. Knowing she came from a fairly conservative Christian home, he had expected something more standard like joy or grace. When she told him she'd been named after the historical Susanna Wesley, he'd chuckled into his phone. "'So that explains why you're so good at praying.' Even without seeing her face, he knew his comment had flustered her. I'm not good or bad, it's just something we're supposed to do. He wouldn't allow her to demure so easily. Maybe, but you've got to admit that some people do it better than others. And from that moment on, he realized how well the name suited her. Susanna Wesley Peters. He wondered how it would sound once they got married. Susanna Wesley Phillips. It rolled off the tongue well. And she wouldn't have to change her initials or give up having an apostolic surname. Of course, that was all in the past. So long ago now that he couldn't remember if they had that conversation about her middle name before or after he'd bought his plane ticket to Washington. After months of saving up, scouring the discount flight web pages, and then rescheduling twice, he was finally going to see her. Meet the woman who'd captured his heart. It was still hard to believe. He'd prayed years earlier and told God he'd remain single, unless the Lord brought someone into his life who shared the same passion for the mission field as he did. He'd spent so many years alone— he started to worry he wouldn't know how to join his life with someone else's. Wouldn't a wife nag him about making his bed or keeping the toilet seat down? Besides, there was something exciting about his lifestyle, knowing that in a week he could be on a plane to South Africa or get called to speak at a conference in Western Russia. Where would he find a woman who felt the same way about that sort of spontaneity? And what about kids? Even if he met a girl willing to travel the whole world over by his side, what would happen if or when children came into the fold? Was he just supposed to retire? The last two years of home office duty would have bored him completely out of his mind if he hadn't had Susanna to talk to. They did the math once. If you were to assume two hours on the phone a night a conservative estimate, plus a few extra hours on the weekend. They'd spent somewhere over 400 hours on the phone together, just in the first six months. More than the equivalent of two and a half straight weeks doing nothing but talking. He finally bought an external battery for his phone, so he could stay connected without having to plug his cell in halfway through the conversation— Nights certainly had been quiet lately in comparison. Quiet nights and a cell that could hold its charge for three or four days at a time. His heart still raced when the phone rang, even though he knew it wouldn't be her, even though it hadn't been her for four months. Email was worse, refreshing his inbox twenty times an hour Facing the bitter sense of disappointment each time he remembered he'd never hear from her again. Sometimes he had nightmares. Nightmares where she wanted to talk to him but his phone wouldn't connect. He'd tried to pick up, but it wouldn't go through. The worst part wasn't missing the call itself, but fearing that she'd take his silence as rejection. Fearing that she'd move on, find someone else. She was so young, so passionately in love with the Lord. It was fruitless to imagine what might have happened between them under different circumstances, but still, he hoped she wouldn't replace him right away. It was selfish of him, really. He should wish her all the happiness in the world. Women like Susanna were made for family life, for marriage and motherhood. While it was possible for him to imagine himself remaining perpetually single, he knew Susanna would one day find a husband. A husband who would take care of her, who wouldn't drag her away from the family that needed her. A husband who wasn't him. He'd known. He didn't admit it to himself at the time, but he'd known she'd end up breaking up with him. If you can call it a breakup when you haven't even met face to face. Susanna's heart was for the Nations. He'd picked up on that during the first phone interview, when all he was supposed to do was answer a few of her questions about the Kingdom Builders' summer internship program. Which is why he thought they might be a perfect fit. But after everything that happened last fall, he couldn't have asked her to leave. Shouldn't have expected her to do anything but stay out there in Orchard Grove, serving God in her little quiet sphere. He should have been the one to end things. It would have been easier on her. After those hundreds of hours on the phone, those thousands of pages worth of emails, he knew her so well. Well enough to know that she would feel guilty now. He wanted to tell her that he understood, that he'd freely forgive her, if there was anything to forgive. She was stronger than he was. She realized her duty was to her God and her family, and she was devoted enough to deny herself the one thing that could make her truly happy. Scott had seen it coming, but he didn't have the emotional fortitude to finalize things like she did. Her resolve and her submission to the Holy Spirit put him to shame. I'm sorry. He composed a dozen emails in his head a week, some begging her to change her mind, some praising her for her heart of surrender, most just telling her how much he missed her. Pastor Carl was continuing on in his Christmas sermon on the theme of joy. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. God must be using figurative language because Scott had woken up to over a hundred lonely mornings since the last time he talked with Susanna, and rejoicing still seemed so far out of reach. Did she think about him? Was she sitting in that little country church way out in Orchard Grove, Washington, right now, wondering how he was? Or maybe she already found someone else. Jewels like Susanna wouldn't stay unattached forever. Was her stepdad still in the picture? Would he offer his assistance, help steer her away from predators? She was so trusting. So trusting and still so young. She'd given her heart to Scott so readily, a testimony to her innocent nature. She'd loved him months before he felt the freedom in his spirit to talk to her about courtship. She hadn't said so, but he had learned how to read her so well that by the time he finally found the courage to tell her he loved her, the question wasn't whether she loved him back, but what to do now that their affection was out in the open. She was created for intimacy, designed to share her heart with those around her. It's what made her so fulfilled working at the assisted living home. It's what gave her such a passion for the poor and destitute around the globe, lost souls who'd never heard the name Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it was that same loving, gentle nature that forced her to break off communication, tell him things could never work between them. He still had that ticket he'd printed up for his flight to Spokane. Still looked at it sometimes, as if to prove to himself that somewhere in the country there really was a place called Orchard Grove, even if it was too small to show up on any but the most detailed of maps. That somewhere in that itty-bitty town was a young woman who'd loved him enough to invite him into her heart, into her life that Susanna Wesley Peters was a living, breathing woman he'd loved in return, but now would never get the chance to meet. Chapter 7 Susanna watched the snow falling outside the window. Disappointed that she wasn't paying more attention to the preaching, Greg unlike any other pastor who made his way through the doors of Orchard Grove Bible Church, didn't believe that every sermon in Advent season had to be about the birth of Jesus. Susanna wasn't sure how the traditionalists would feel about a December series through the life of King David, but she had her suspicions. Father God, protect and watch over Pastor Greg. Bless his ministry and allow him to continue to lead this church with wisdom and discernment. She'd learned years ago to intercede for her pastors regularly. Orchard Grove Bible Church couldn't be the easiest of congregations to serve, especially for a young newlywed like him. The soft flurry outside was turning into a full-fledged storm. The snow covered everything—the mud, the litter— even the tire tracks in the parking lot. Some folks complained about Orchard Grove's lack of aesthetics, but Susanna had never lived anywhere else, rarely traveled, and lacked any reference point for comparison. She wondered what Massachusetts looked like. Strange to think that she and Scott had spent almost a year talking, and she didn't even know about New England weather. There she was, distracted again. I'm so sorry, God. One day, I'm going to get him out of my mind. But I need your help. It was times like these that she missed her mom the most poignantly. Christmas was less than two weeks away. But what kind of celebration would they have? She hadn't shopped for any presents. She didn't have time, let alone the money. She'd been unemployed for the past four months, Not that she had any time to miss her job at Wintergrove Assisted Living. Life was busier now than it ever been. She couldn't remember how many days had passed since she'd taken her last shower. Now that she was gone, Susanna developed an even greater appreciation for her mother and all the sacrifices she'd made for her family. Sacrifices. There was a word Susanna wouldn't miss if it disappeared from every dictionary in the English-speaking world. Sacrifices. Because keeping your promises was more important than chasing fantasies. Because serving God contentedly, where God's called you, was infinitely more satisfying than yearning to be somewhere else. Or, so she was told. Lord. I know you ask us to lay down our lives for others, but I feel like there's nothing left for me to give. I'm so empty. As parched as the orchard grove riverbed, she could still remember being a little girl, tossing pebbles into the rushing water. How many years had passed since the river dried up? Ten? Twelve? And would it ever run again? Pastor Greg was near the end of his sermon. She could tell because of the way the orchardists in the front rows began clearing their throats and checking their watches. The way the few children in the pews grew more and more fidgety. The way her own heavy heart reminded her it was time to go home. That's what she hated about herself the most— what she hoped God would change more than anything else. Lord, I used to love being with my family. What's happened to me? She wished she knew. Had she taken her entire annual quota of love and poured it out on a stranger? A stranger who turned out to be nothing but a stumbling block? Before she met Scott... She had never begrudged her family anything, never complained. It was her mother who worried. Her mother who signed Susanna up for music lessons and dance classes and homeschool co-ops, all in the name of giving her as much of a normal childhood as possible. It took years for her mom to realize that Susanna, more than anything, wanted to be at home. It was part of her nature to love. Part of her ingrained, God-given personality to nurture those around her, to tend to those who needed her. That's why she was such a good fit for the Winter Grove-assisted living home, changing bedpans, cleaning messes, helping the weak while still protecting their dignity. When in her life had Susanna not known instinctively that her job was to care for others? Some people called it a gift of compassion. For Susanna, it came as simply and as easily as breathing. Or at least it had. That's the irony, God. This is the future I'd always pictured for myself. It's just that I didn't expect it to come so soon. Not before she'd had the chance to live her own life. Not before she'd served God for 20 or 30 years on foreign soil. Not before she'd fallen in love, gotten married, nurtured, and cared for children of her own. Susanna was living the life she'd always dreamed of. The problem was, she was living it three or four decades earlier than she'd
0: originally planned. Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This has been What Dreams May Come by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our fundraiser, for COVID-19 relief work, which you can find out about more when you go to alannaterry.com slash novels. This page will have a link to our fundraiser for as long as it runs. I hope and pray that you stay safe and healthy. I want to thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon.